Go For Side Effects is sponsored by Wild Branch Products. Wild Branch is a truly pure cannabis oil. They make CBD containing 0.00% THC and no carrier oils. Use Wild Branch oils and salves to calm, cool, and soothe your body, leaving you pain-free. I can tell you, using this product, I was able to go to Santa's Wonderland with my family. I put on a salve. I used the oils. I was able to walk for hours. I believe in this product 100%. Use promo code GWI podcast for 15% off. Use promo code GWI podcast for 15% off. Click the link below. Thank you. Welcome to Go For Side Effects. I'm your host, Kevin Simon. Today we got veteran, Navy veteran, I should say, because I'm a Navy veteran. We got Alex Jones, and not the guy from InfoWars, but Alex Jones is running for District 5 in Colorado as a congressional candidate. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for letting me come on tonight. It's wonderful. Good. Hey, you know, I'm glad that somebody wants to come on the program because there's a lot of veterans out there that are literally going to have a lot of questions that they're going to want, you know, to ask and, you know, and maybe get some answers out of this about what you're doing in your district on how you can help the veterans. But let's first talk about your time in the military and tell them what, what you did. Sure. Uh, so I was in the military. I was in the United States Navy Reserve uh, from 2009 to 2017. Uh, got to go some fun places. Uh, never went on a ship. So I got to be a sailor who never went on a ship. Um, so as a master at arms, I was the uh, Navy's version of uh, military police. So we were always on pier watch. We were always on base, uh, getting to raise some heck on base. Uh, and so uh, I had a lot of fun doing that. I got to travel to some other countries, which was really fun. Went to Japan a lot. Uh, I can honestly say I still don't know how to use chopsticks after having been to Japan a billion times. Um, I still prefer the good old American fork. Um, but um, yeah, got to go to Hawaii, Virginia, uh, just some other places. So had a lot of fun with it. Definitely got to travel more than my active duty guys. Uh, I know my active duty guys razzled me a lot in boot camp. You know, oh, you're a weekend warrior. Um, and, you know, for me, I'm like, yeah, but I got to travel. I got to go to Japan. I got to go to Hawaii. I got to go to Virginia. You, you have been stuck in Greece for six years. Uh, and so for me, it's just been uh, a blast getting to, to have served my country and gotten to see a little bit of the world. Well, see, and that's that's fantastic. Even, no matter if you're reserved, no matter if you're active duty, you know, for you running for Congress and everything that's going on, you know, you're in it for the vets. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, of course, I was stationed on Guam and during my time it was 89, 93. And so, you know, most of us guys who went over to Desert Storm, which, you know, I me, mean, you talked a little bit about this and you're very right. familiar with some of the problems that the veterans are having. And, you know, it's not so much that the veterans here are, are, are looking for a payday. They're looking for accountability. How can we help the veterans? And that's, that's what we were looking for. Absolutely. And, you know, politicians from both political parties, um, you know, first off, I'm an independent, so I'm running as an independent, you know, uh, both political parties, I think have 
left us in the dirt a long for a for a very long time. Um, not had our best interests at heart. And I think it's time we get people that can look at facts and figures into office. And so that's why I'm running. Um, I don't care what political party you subscribe to. Um, for me, taking care of our vets goes all the way back to what President Lincoln said at the, at the you know, conclusion of the Civil War, taking care of our vets. Um, and that's when you know, the whole Veterans Administration started coming around and, and coming into play. For me, it's the top part is accountability. Absolutely. And politicians always say, oh, you know, elect me and we'll have accountability at the VA. How many times have we heard that over the last 40 years? You know, and then every single time bureaucrats just keep getting into office and, and making the VA a, a headache, um, you know. And so the first thing that we have to do is increase accountability to the VA by getting rid of individuals that should not be there. Um, I'm talking doctors who haven't had medical practices in years ending up at the VA, um, you know, testing and laboratory equipment that's outdated. I think, you know, one of the ones I saw, Harry Truman was still president the last time this thing had been calibrated uh, and it's being worked on our current veterans now, you know, and so making sure that we get people who are qualified, getting people that want to be there, you have to want to take care of your fellow man. It is not just something, oh, I might make this a career or I might make it a job. No, I want individuals who want to be at the VA to truly help our veterans and not be there just for a paycheck at the end of the day. Uh, so the first thing is to clean house, get rid of these individuals that have been there forever, that have proven track records of not getting anything done uh, and get people in there who truly want to be there. That's the first step. The second step is there needs to be more oversight of the Veterans Administration. And it starts with the president on down. You know, the president has to take the accountability and say, our vets are coming back with some serious stuff. They're coming back with mental health issues. They're coming back with deformities. They're coming back with TBIs. I mean, they're coming back with all this stuff. And we're just doing the bare minimum. Oh, yeah, the bare minimum is go sit in line for 82 years and wait for a, you know, a doctor appointment. That's ridiculous, you know. So we need the president to step up to the plate and say, I want to take better care of our vets. And the president needs to work with Congress to get funding and get resources to the VA. That way we can use that. So if you have increased accountability and you've got additional resources, well, Kevin, the next step is who's making sure that those resources are being spent on what they're supposed to be. Uh, here in Colorado, they just built a brand new veterans hospital up in Aurora, Colorado, uh, which is an outskirt of Denver. Uh, and it took 14 years to build that. The original cost was supposed to be like $328 million, came out to $1.7 billion, just because the contractors continually kept delaying stuff. There was mismanagement of funds. Um, and then finally, they had to bring in the Army Corps of Engineers. So shout out to our army, you know, guys, uh, they finally said enough's enough calling the Calvary and Congress told the VA, no, it's going to the Army Corps of Engineers to come in and finish the project because you guys are 14 years and you're 1.7 billion over budget. So, I mean, we can't even build a hospital for our veterans without it taking 20 years and, you know, $2 billion. So when we increase accountability, get people in there that want to be there, get more resources and make sure that those resources are going to the places that they're supposed to be going. Uh, we're going to see marked improvements across the board. It's not just going to be show up, take a number and wait 30 years. I mean, right before 2016, if you remember back there, you had vets dying in waiting rooms at VA hospitals. How the heck is that acceptable? You know, and everyone's just like, oh, well, that's the VA. It's like, 
no, <laughs> you know, I, I was outraged and I was still in the service at that time. I was outraged by that, you know, and as every good, decent American should be. Uh, and so it didn't matter if I was a Republican or a Democrat. I was ticked off by that, you know, and to be honest, I don't think enough heads rolled from that situation. Uh, and so we can't even deal with stuff that's more recent, let alone try to, to, to help our guys from the early 90s, from the Gulf and and all those through. So. To me, that's my four-step plan. Uh, get more accountability in there, get more resources, make sure that the resources are going to where they need to be. And then lastly, making sure that if there are any you know, misuses or anything like that, it's dealt with swiftly and not just shoved under a rug and it takes Congress 22 years to figure it out. Uh, so, I agree yeah. with that. I agree. And see, this is what a lot of veterans are really pissed off about. I mean, overall... The, especially when they come on to the program, is these guys feel like they serve their country, they come home, get a hero's, you know, warm welcome back, and then shoved away. And then, yep. and then these guys come back, and then they have neurological problems. I mean, the presumptives. The presumptives aren't a little bit of list this big. The list is this big. And right. these, these guys are coming back with serious issues and later on having serious issues. And that's what needs to be addressed. The researching, uh, you know, it, it, no pork in it. That, you know, right. that should be a thing. When it comes to veterans, it, it should come straight just for veterans. Nothing else added into it. Well, I mean, Kevin, you, you hit it right on the, you know, the nail right on the head. Anything Congress passes nowadays has pork in it. I mean, look at the infrastructure bill. You know, they, they wanted like $13 million for, you know, tree gender identity. What is tree gender identity? Like, that makes no sense. You know, trees can't talk to us, so they can't tell us their preferred pronouns. Right. You know, so for me, it was just like, really? We can't even get a simple infrastructure bill passed without it being, oh, well, actually, we're going to put $20 million in there for, you know, the, you know, underwater basket weaving museum. Okay, well, what benefit is that serving, you know? So same things, absolutely. When it comes to vets, there needs to be clean bills. And in fact, I'm I'm in favor of clean bills in general, yeah. regardless okay. of what the topic is. There, It needs to be, if you can't fit it on a single page, it shouldn't be law. It should be quite clear and simple. Hey, we have a problem with this. I want $30 million to fix it. Great, it's on one page. That'll take Congress 20 seconds to vote on it versus two weeks uh, stalling, backdoor dealing. And then lo and behold, you know, Nancy Pelosi has another library in her district, you know, so people can go shoot up drugs. So, you know, for me, it's it's just anything, especially with our vets, needs to be a clean bill and, and clean bill across the board with everything, to be honest. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And then again, you know, you look at projects in here in Aurora, Colorado, where it's taking 1.7 billion in 14 years to build a hospital, you know? Um, and then we have another exciting thing, you know, here in Colorado Springs in the district, uh, a nonprofit veterans organization is building a whole campus. Um, they'll have 240 apartments. They'll have offices to assist with administrative affairs. They'll have physical therapy. They'll have mental therapy, they'll have group sessions. And a private organization is doing that because the VA has dragged its feet for so long. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and, and see, and that, that's, that's the other problem. It's like, I think every county should have its own clinic. Every county. Absolutely. I don't think that you should have to go from, you know, like it, where we live in Texas, almost every county does have a clinic because it's so big. Right. But Houston, which I, I, 
I'm grateful for Houston. I mean, I, I love my clinic. I like Houston, downtown Houston. You pull up there, you don't even have to park your damn car, man. They open the door for you, you know, Absolutely. thank you for your service. You walk in, they treat you. But not every place is like that. From what I've heard and understand, Iowa's number one. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody who I've had on my program loves Iowa. Mm -hmm. But Texas is right behind it. Florida's good. But there's places out there that really need a lot of help. And how is it that one VA is different than the other VA? That part most veterans do not understand. Well, you know, I always equate it to, to like, you know, you go from one base to another base and you've got additional responsibilities at that base that you didn't have at this base. Uh, but then again, you have accountability. The VA is, is overseen by the federal government. There should be clear cut standards across the board um, about, you know, customer service, about getting seen, about billing and all of this stuff. And it's you've got some VAs that are run very well. And others, it's like, you know, ridiculous. You can't even drink the water out of the water fountain. And it's like, you know, that's a shout out to Flint, Michigan. Um, <laughs> you know, so you can't even drink the water out of the water fountain because, you know, you've got so much mismanagement. And again, I think it, it boils down to accountability. We've got to stop talking about it and start doing it. Why have none of these VA administrators been hauled in before Congress? Why have none of them faced a subpoena? Like, hey, even if you're doing something right, I want to know what you're doing. As a congressperson, I have oversight authority. What? I want to see you in my office and understand what you're doing right at your VA because your VA is a, a great VA. Otherwise, it's like, no, your VA stinks. It sucks. It, it consistently rates poor. You've had veterans die in your you know, hospital wing. You're done. You know, if, if you've got veterans keeling over in your waiting room, you're done. You don't get to, to stay on and collect a $200,000 pension and all that other stuff. You're done. I, <laughs> I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that 100%. I think the one thing that does burn my, uh, I mean, it does burn my ass on most of this stuff is when these guys come back, you know, because earlier me, you talked, you, mm -hmm. you know, v Vietnam went through what Vietnam did, and that was horrible, how they were treated, and, mm -hmm. and heck, how they're still being treated. How they're still being treated, right? Right. Desert Storm. The no. Gulf War, it's a forgotten war. Right, right. You know, they sit there and they, you know, they'll, you go and talk to, oh, it was fast. Well, our war was, if not more chemically fought war. Right. Because of everything over there. And then on, on top of all that, you got the guys that went to Iraqi freedom, the Afghanistan guys, and now the guys that are going to probably be going over to Ukraine and dealing with that kind of stuff. So anytime... <laughs> any of the veterans come back, this is what needs to be prevented. Right. You, you know, how do we get Congress, the Senate, the presidency, and all them together and say, hey, you, you know what? Let's prevent these guys. Because the VA knew in 95 that most Correct. of us were going to have neurological problems. Right. I mean, well, I mean, even, even uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, it's fine. But I mean, even in, in 1994, so many mental health professionals use what's called the DSM. So the DSM is the Dietitian Statistic Manual. And so that's what you use to diagnose mental health disorders and stuff like that. And PTSD first appeared back in the 80s. So even well before the Gulf War, uh, you know, and then in 1994, you had the DSM-4 come out. And that is where it was clearly defined as to what PTSD was. But how many people were turned away? 
how many vets were turned away just going, ah, you're, you know, you're exaggerating or, oh, you, you know, you don't have PTSD, you've got something else, you know? And so we've had this huge course correction in diagnosing all of this stuff and there's still stigmas around it. There's still, you know, misconceptions about it. There's still stigmas about it. You know, you know, if you're not missing an arm or a leg, people don't think that you're really hurting. And it's like, well, there's the uh, behind the scenes unseen stuff. You know, and a lot of my friends were over there. You know, I've still got buddies that are over there. I've got family members that served, um, you know. And so for me, it was hearing their stories. I'm like, I don't know how you couldn't walk away from that and not have something go on, you know. Uh, but again, it's getting around that that stigmatism. But then again, we also have incompetence. We have severe incompetence when it comes to our Veterans Administration. You know, how has it that been out since 1980 and you still can't diagnose it? That was 40 years ago. PTSD was diagnosable in the DSM and you still can't correctly diagnose it. You know, and again, it's because we don't have the level of competence and the level of professionalism that we need as vets. And that's sad. It's really sad. And, you know, to go back to your previous question about how do we get Congress and the president and everybody together, if we keep electing Republicans and we keep electing Democrats, we're going to have the same issue. We're going to be asking that same exact question again in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, because it's the same people getting elected to office. So, you know, you can't fix something with the problem that created it. You know, uh, Albert Einstein, you know, one of my favorites always said, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, Kevin, that's what we do every two years, four years, six years, eight years with every election we have. We just keep picking one of the two and going from there. You know, the lesser of two evils, Kevin, is still evil. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's true. And, and, and we keep we keep having to deal with that. So electing third party candidates like myself and getting us in there where we're not beholden to political parties and special interests, we can really go, no, I actually want to see the facts and figures. I want to see the facts and figures of your administration. I want to see the facts and figures of your VA hospital. Well, how many programs have you, you know, implemented? How many veterans have you served? Don't give me some cockamamie number of, oh, we were able to save 30, you know, million dollars by doing this. No, you saved 30 million dollars by cutting a program that vets actually liked uh and then you didn't even bother to ask us about it too you just sent us an email oh yeah by the way this service is now discontinued so it's like mm, no so electing third-party candidates that aren't going to be beholden to these special interests is how we can start getting effective management over the veterans administration right i, I totally agree i mean i i sit back and i mean I, i'm not a political person at all hey you know what i'm for whoever's for the job, whoever is right for it, whoever cares for it, whoever cares about the vets. And right. I, I I mean, to me personally, I almost think if you go to Congress, you ought to go into the military to understand how our world works. <laughs> I do. Well, I mean, Kevin, we've got we've got people on like the Veterans Affairs Committee. We've got people on, um, you know, foreign affairs that have never stepped foot out of the United States that have never donned the uniform of the United States. Uh, especially my the incumbent in my district has never served a day in the military and he's on the veterans affairs committee so how does that make any sense oh it's because he fundraised the most for the republican national committee and they gave him that seat now i, I will say this I, I do have to say this his father served which i'm grateful for but the congressman himself has never served uh, but yet he's still on the veterans affairs committee i think you the only qualifier should be did you ever serve Great. Did you serve honorably? Perfect. Great. Now you're on the Veterans Affairs Committee. You know, same thing with law enforcement, same thing with judiciary. We've got people who've never set foot in a courtroom and they're on the Judiciary Committee. 
you know, getting to choose our judges and justices. Same thing. We've got this whole corruption across the board and it leads to ineptitude. It leads to mismanagement. I mean, I know you're not a political person, but you know, that's why we have supply chain issues and inflation because people got chosen by how they look and not what they know or, or how to do. Um, and so again, same thing at the VA. We keep getting people who have never served uh, or who, you know, served in like the Salvation Army and they ended up now they're the VA secretary. So, again, choosing people just because they voted for you, choosing people because they raised funds for you, um, that's that leads to vets dying in waiting rooms. And that's sad. Oh, oh that's right. That's right. I mean, the, the one thing I, I, and I'll say it on my program uh, and, and everything to me, I do think the VA did get better. When Obama came in, stuff started changing when Trump came, and then Trump came in and, and Trump tweaked it. And now we're at a stalemate. So it, it just stalled and it doesn't need, need to stall. It needs to move forward. There's a lot of research programs out there. And next week, I got researchers coming on next week that are going to talk about what they're doing. Great. But, I, I mean, we we need to get the funding to find out, OK, what exactly did the Desert Storm guys? Absolutely digest was put into our bodies because we all know that there was some tainted anthrax shots and not all, you know, P tabs. So we know all of this. We know for a hundred percent sure that we were poisoned. Okay. Oh, sure. Absolutely. We, and we know we're not going to be cured. We know, but at least give us something out there that tells us exactly. Okay, guys, take this pill and hey, it would counteract it so you don't have the pain, the mental, the physical, the exhaustion that these guys are going through. And, exactly. And, and that's, I think, hell, they ought to put my little ass in charge of the VA system. <laughs> I guarantee you, I'd change it. Well, Kevin, if I get elected to Congress, expect a call from my office. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll, be, I'll tell you. If, if, I, if I walk in there and if I saw one veteran sitting there not being taken care of i'd fire whoever's in charge and that's what Absolutely. needs to that's what needs to happen accountability Absolutely. you said it earlier and i agree with that 100 percent. it isn't political it's about taking care of our veterans now on top of that let's talk about the researching you mm -hmm. know we got all types of researchers out of california florida yep. you, you know uh arkansas i mean the list goes on i mean it's just everywhere the funding needs to be done. And when you get in the office, you, you know, I, I would just want it to be one bill about that type of research and what's going on. How do you feel about that? I'll do you one better. It'll be one page. It'll say the following are going to be funded for X amount of years at X amount of dollars. This project, this project, this project, this project, it'll be bullet pointed. You can read it in, in 20 minutes, less than 20 minutes, you know, and, and that's the other part of the problem, too, is you pass these bills and it takes them weeks to read it. They're, they're thousands of pages because they're oh. full of pork. Right. So I'll do you one better. It'll be one page. It'll be bullet pointed. And it'll say this organization gets funded for this amount of money for this amount of years. Done. Right. Now, see, I, I like that. That's exactly. I mean, number one, I don't speak proper English anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to read 2000 pages. I want to read one or two pages and that is it. And that's all. Because once I get to about the fourth page, I'm done. Right. 
Well, I always joke with a lot of friends. I said, you know, could you imagine if our Congress today wrote the Declaration of Independence, how many pages the Declaration of Independence oh would be? <laughs> It'd be the memoirs of Thomas Jefferson, 3,000 pages long. And I'll tell you the other thing. The, the, and this is one thing a lot of us don't talk about. Okay. Well, I mean, we, we do on this side, but is isn't talked about. So you got places like LHI, who I, I, I like them. I, I, I went Monday for a CMP exam, and that lady was very thorough. And they, they, this is for compensation and pension, oh, okay, for guys who have been hurt and right. caused in the military. Then you got places like VES, Veterans Evaluation Services, and other organizations that you go in there, they type, they do nothing, and you're automatically de denied. And that's where I think things need to really change. Right. That does right. Need, need to change. If you're not well, going to find a cure, then you, you need to pay for what you did. Right. Well, and it goes back to standards. Uh, it, it goes back to there needs to be clear cut standards across the board that when you are dealing with vets, this is the standard of care that a veteran is entitled to. And if this is not provided, then sorry, you lose your contract, you lose your funding, you don't get to see veterans anymore. Because uh, the other thing that you run into is you find these companies or you find these uh, so-called hospitals, they're just bilking the VA for millions of dollars a year without actually providing services. And it's like, oh yeah, we, we saw Kevin, he came in on Monday. You saw him for five minutes and then send him home. And you're billing us for, you know, $6,000 for a CAT scan, you know, and that was the other thing that kept coming out. You know, the VA kept getting billed by all of these independent contractors for stuff that they weren't even providing. So, again, it goes to oversight and accountability because then guess what? That takes more money out of the VA so that they can't assist vets because they're too busy paying a contractor who didn't even build the hospital that he was supposed to build. You know, and again, renegotiating those contracts and saying, look, your standard of care is below this level. You get one warning. You get it up to that level. Great. You get to remain. You, you suffer a second strike. You're done. There's no three strikes. There's no 18 years of investigation. It's your standard of care is below what we have deemed acceptable. You're out. You're done. You're gone. You don't get to keep billing us. You don't get to keep your job. You're done. Uh, and again, we need more politics. We need more of our elected officials to see that uh, and not just go, oh, yeah, well, the VA gave us a report. Oh, yeah, because, you know, government reporting is so accurate all the time. Right. It <laughs> <laughs> was I, I agree 100 percent on that. And hey, uh, and there are people watching and making comments and stuff. So if y'all have any questions, y'all like me to ask Alex, y'all type it in there because there may be some stuff that I'm missing about veterans one to know. And and, you know, it sounds like right now he's got all the really good answers. I'm like, I like what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, and, and what I would encourage um, your listeners, Kevin, too, is to do research. Don't just take my word for it or or, you know, another candidate's word for it. Uh, really do the research. And on my website, you know, Kevin, you and I spoke a little bit a, a while back. And um, on my website, I'm not just a one party candidate or, or a one platform candidate. You know, a lot of these candidates, they pick one thing that they're really passionate about. And that's what they want to run on. Um, for me, it's like, well, no, I'm, I'm not just going to have that one thing come before me in Congress. You should know where I stand on a lot of issues. Um, almost every issue you can imagine, uh, with the exception of the Fisheries Act. I keep getting asked on the Fisheries Act, and it keeps getting brought up. Um, again, another useless law. Um, but, you know, for me, it's 
you can go on my website. You can see where I stand on everything, including veterans uh, affairs items and, and all that fun stuff too. So what, what is your website? So if people want to go check it out, I mean, Facebook page and website. Sure. So it's Alex Jones and that's spelled A L A X. Uh, you can thank my parents cause they couldn't spell. Uh, so it's A L A X Jones for Congress.com. Uh, and then on Facebook, uh, if you type in Alex Jones for Congress, it'll come right up on the Facebook search bar. Right. And uh, of course I did have one question. He said, other than the veterans, which if somebody's going to ask it on here, I'm going to ask, <laughs> you know, about the border and, and, and immigration. Well, I live on in a border state and, and everything. And it's, it's sometimes it is hard to, to kind of, you know, know where other political stuff stands. But to, to me, the, I don't care where anybody stands on this is, if you come here illegally, you should leave legally. Right. Well, and we've got, you know, we've got laws on the books right. that, you know, it's not a matter of, of are you being racist or anything like that? It's these are the laws that were enacted by Congress, signed into law by the president of the United States. They've gone through the whole legal process. We need to be enforcing the laws that we have on the books. Uh, and we're seeing that with everything. You know, I'm also a former police officer. Uh, and so, you know, being out on town and enforcing the law in town, same thing. we got to start enforcing the law. And that's when you have a breakdown in law and orders, when the district attorneys and, and all these individuals don't want to enforce the law. You're, you're experiencing that on the border. Uh, you know, by the National Immigration Act, the federal government is responsible for immigration. And we see the federal government failing to enforce immigration laws. Uh, and so again, it's holding people accountable. And it's, you know, right now there's one political party in the majority in both houses, and they're refusing to investigate what's going down on the border because their guy is in office right now, you know? And it, same thing with Republican presidents and Republican Congresses. You know, it's, it's just party politics. And we, the American people, are the ones that suffer. Um, you know, and I was down, I was stationed down in San Antonio, Texas, uh, for my A school. So I was right there at Lachlan Air Force Base. Uh, and so, you know, even though I wasn't a Texas native, I got to live there for six months, uh, courtesy of Uncle Sam. I still saw a lot of that, those issues down there, even though I wasn't a, a Texan. Um, so mass kudos to you Texans for, for having to deal with that, you know. Um, and so, again, it's the federal government not taking accountability and responsibility seriously. Uh, and we have to get people elected that are not going to be beholden to Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy and all these people and go, this is, pardon my French, this is a shit show and we've got to fix it. Yeah, 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 I agree a hundred percent. I know that um, there's going to be a few more questions and stuff, but absolutely, I, I know for myself, I think the biggest thing that I would want answered and, and I, I mean, to me, it is the, the top number one priority of it all is how do we get the veterans to connect with other veterans in the hospitals, outside of the hospitals, where they can share information and collect a database type thing? Now, you, you understand what I'm talking about? Well, and, and that goes back to increasing the funding uh, for research and development and outreach. Um, you know, we're not seeing the level of funding that's, that needs to be there 
to, to allow vets to do that. Um, it keeps falling to NGOs, non-governmental organizations and nonprofits, you know, just like what's going on here in the Springs with them building that whole complex. Uh, and so if we can get um, I, I think the first thing that needs to happen is the standard of care. We've got to improve the standard of care. And then we start looking at the social emotional outreach uh, for veterans, you know, and creating those organizations and funding those organizations. You know, um, one of the greatest examples of that was from the Civil War. You know, if, if you look back, Civil War veterans formed their own organizations um, back in the 1800s, late 1800s. They kept in contact with each other's families, even, you know, Johnny Reb and Billy Yank. They kept in, in contact with each other's families up until they all died, you know, and just to see that level of support and that level that they had. That was back in the 1890s. We can't do that in the 21st century. Like, come on. Right. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, like it, it's insane. And, and like me, like I, I have no neuropathy. I would like to know exactly how many veterans that have the same thing I have, you know, that was in Desert Storm. You know, sure. I, I, I would like to know them numbers. I would like to know, you know, how are they do, dealing with it? Have they found a solution for, you know, their problems, you know, stuff like that. That would create a really big help for the veterans like fibromyalgia, Absolutely. chronic fatigue, IBS. And and I, I I don't know how to put this correctly, so I'm going to put it my way. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see people come in, uh, okay, and help one another, even outside of the VA, like other people who have neuropathy. How, you know, how do they deal with it? Why are they on different medicines than what we're on at the VA? Right. Does that make well, sense? Yeah, well, and one of the things that, you know, um, I had a special needs son, um, and unfortunately, he passed away last year. Uh, but, you know, one of the biggest things that we've seen in in the healthcare field is home health care, you know, having trained professionals come out to your house to help you with stuff, you know, and uh, for veterans, absolutely, there's vets that that are immobile, they can't get out of their house, you know, so they have to do this telehealth thing, which you know, let's be frank, that's the equivalent of having, you know, the entire day at school, you know, being remote the entire day at school and having your teacher talk at you is having a physician talk at you and go, okay, where does it hurt? Show me on this little doll where it hurts. You know, um, for me, it's just like, that does nobody any good. Um, let's get trained, qualified professionals out there to your house to help. Um, I would love to see increases in that home health care uh, funding. So that way we can get those individuals out there. And it goes right back to it, you know, hey, you know, hey, Kevin, you know, you've got neuropathy. This is James. He suffers from neuropathy. He's immobile. Would you mind going to check up on him? Would you reach out to him and say, hey, how are things going? You know, um, you seem to be reacting really well to treatment. We would love to have you lead groups or lead sessions and and all that stuff. That's so, again, highlighting those resources, you know, but this is nobody bothers to care. It's not, we're just going to maintain the status quo. You know, we're going to go back to, sorry, you died in the waiting room. Yeah. And now you brought up a really good point just a second ago about, I don't know why, you know, home, home healthcare. So me and a guy named uh, John that's listening in and we, it took us veterans to click together and, it, and, she, and the young lady is out of Mississippi for her father and we were able to get her father help. You know, a VA representative called me. And he's like, hey, man, uh, you know, what's going on? And I told him what, what's going on. 
the system needs to change also on that part where all you should have to do is pick up the phone and right then and there helps on the way. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's equating it to, uh, you know, instead of calling 911 and having a police officer come out, now you have to try to explain that, you know, you're suffering from this condition and then turns into a criminal investigation. You know, veterans are being turned into criminals because of that. You know, and, and I saw that from the law enforcement side, you know, and then the police officers were not trained to deal with that. They're not trained. They're not mental health trained professionals. So, you know, I can't tell you how many vets I responded to that were having a crisis at home and they were just trying to get someone to help them, you know, and instead we send the police. It's like, well, <laughs> that's not going to end well, you know. Uh, and so for me, absolutely. It should be, you should be able to pick up a hotline and in 20 minutes, you got someone responding to your house to assist you with something, uh, you know, and we do that for victims advocacy. You know, if you're the victim of a crime and you know, you need help, you call the victim advocacy and the victim advocate is there in 20 minutes. But yeah, our vets who went and overseas and fought for us and in some cases, you know, lost life and limb, we have to go wait in line for months on end and weeks on end to get stuff. It's, it's just ridiculous. It's insane. Now, here's a great one. And Haley, uh, this is from Haley Go Gomez. She said, how can we, well, how can we bring, to, bring this to Congress uh, in every state on every national level? The government at least needs to accept responsibility for the illnesses veterans bring back from war. That includes our children because our children are affected to it. Absolutely. Uh, and again, it goes towards uh, accountability, you know, and, and looking at, you know, first off, what was our reason for being there? You know, was it a legitimate reason? Um, you know, and then coming back and going, well, hey, all of these things happened. These things happened. The Department of Defense has to declassify this so that way the Americans know what our troops went through. I mean, look how long it took to get Agent Orange declassified from Vietnam. I mean, and then all of those guys were coming back with, with Agent Orange issues and, and whatnot. And we're still dealing with trying to get the full scoop behind what went on in Vietnam with Agent Orange, uh, you know. And so we have to get members elected to Congress who are going to make a stand and take a stand, not just talk about it do it. Um, and as a veteran myself, like I said, it's very near and dear to my heart. It's not something that well, I'm just trying to woo veterans votes and, and get elected. No, I, I mean, I've got family members that have been affected. I've got friends that are impacted. Um, we've got to do better. And so electing politicians who are not Republicans, not Democrats, electing officials who will look at the facts, look at the figures and go, yeah, we sent you over there. Now we're going to take care of you when you come back. Yeah, Saddam Hussein used a bunch of chemical weapons on people and poisoned water wells and, and blew up oil derricks and you're breathing in all that mess. We're going to take care of you. It's not, oh, yeah, that might have happened. Eh, you'll be all right. Take, take two ibuprofen and a gallon of water, right? That's what we were used to in the Navy. <laughs> you know, that's what the hospital corpsman always gave us. Two ibuprofen and some water. Yeah, they um, gave me freaking Tylenol. Here, take some Tylenol. You'll be all right. Oh my Sudafed, goodness. expired PD, you know. But yeah, um, so we've got to elect people who are truly going to make a difference if they get elected and not just talk about things. Right. And, and another question on here that John, uh, you know, is like the wait times. 
When you mm-hmm. call into your provider or you call into the hospital, you call into your specialist, man, you can sit there for an hour waiting to I connect would to a take nurse. an hour. <laughs> right. An hour's on the low end. <laughs> right. I, I mean, yeah. how, how do we fix that part? I mean, how, how do veterans, do you know what? Are they going to say the crisis line is going to take an hour to talk to somebody? You know, (laughs) right. Well, and again, it goes back to that. There needs to be set clear standards. And if your standard of care falls below that set level, you're done. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. You know, if you're short staffed, get more people. Stop giving administrators all these bonuses and parachutes if they leave. No, send that money to hire and qualified staff to oversee these lines, oversee these weight rooms, um, you know, and, and to stop wasting money. That's what it comes down to. It's their priorities have never been veterans. It has always been the bureaucracy and maintaining the status quo. So again, electing, electing, you know, officials that are going to truly go in there and be like, no, you, you know, your wait times are three hours long. Why? Oh, well, we can't get people. Okay. But let's see, you took an $80,000 bonus this year. You know, couldn't you have used that $80,000 to hire four people, you know, to come in there and, and assist your wait times? Right. Oh yeah, we could have. Well, guess what? Now you're out of a job. So I, I, I know who they could hire. They can hire them people that call my cell phone 24 seven saying <laughs> that my car insurance warranty is about to expire. Hey, you know? I say we deputize those individuals and <laughs> now they work for the VA. I'll tell you, I get at least three or four days saying your car warranty <laughs> is expiring. Man, the guys can make a, a, a killing, you know, yeah. working at oh, the yeah. VA answering phone calls. But again, um, you know, and, and it goes back to having those set clear standards. This is nationwide. Every contractor, VA clinic, VA hospital, VA services center, your national standard is, you know, less than 30 minutes on hold, you know, or less than 40 minutes on whatever the, the you know, the thing is. And if your clinic or your hospital continually has issues, well, guess what? We're coming knocking with a subpoena and we want to know why. Uh, and if you can't give us a good answer, sorry, you're gone. And the other, thing, that. the other thing that needs to be changed is the VA calculation on disability. You, I mean, what you get, I mean, you can have 10%, 70%, 30%, 20%. You're only 40% total. Kevin, I swear, I swear to God, what they do is they go in the back room with a dart and they throw it at a dartboard, And then whatever that lands on, that's your disability rating. I swear to gosh, that's what they do. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it is kind of funny because when these guys, you know, that I, I've talked to and me and them talk about their disability rating and, well, you know, we go through all that stuff. I'm over there going, you know, they give me 2,700 milligrams of gabapentin. Then they put me on Lyrica along with Sabalta. Now I got a new medicine I'm taking, but they still say, but you're only 10% and that's it. You know, you don't have a bad case. It's yeah. nothing, why am I on all this damn medicine for? Exactly. Well, so they could build a VA for it. So they could build a VA for the service that they provided you, quote unquote. You know, and then again, you you look at the bill, you were seen for 10 minutes given to ibuprofen, and then they build a VA for eight grand. You know, and it's like, uh, that's the most expensive ibuprofen I've ever taken, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's the same way, you know, you've got guys that are missing arms and legs, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're at 15%. You mean my arms and legs are at 15%? Like, yeah, that doesn't make any difference. You know, any, you know, it's just mind boggling. So it I swear is. to God, that's what they do. They go in the back room, throw a dart and whatever that lands on. Yeah, 20%. All right, cool. 
you know, and there's your disability and that's good for a year. And then come see me again in another year and it'll change next year. Oh yeah. And by golly, if, if you end up having worse problems, and like say my neuropathy gets worse where I'm on a walker and I go to fight that I want, I want my percentage raised on it. They could lower your percentage. Yep. Even though you've gotten worse, they lower it. I'm like, what the heck is going on with this? That's because the dart went a little to the left and hit the different <laughs> number. <laughs> <laughs> and, and see, that's the stuff that we do need changed. And that's why we need, Absolutely. that's why we need candidates. You know, uh, this isn't, I'll say it again. This is not political. This is our right. future. This is our livelihoods. This is our lives. Right, exactly. The next generations who are going to come up, serve our country, don't need to be treated like the Vietnam and the Gulf War veterans. No, absolutely not. And no veteran should ever be treated like that, regardless of which war you fight in. You know, it's it's just one of those things. It's, it's insane, you know. And, um, you know, I'm a big history buff. You look back at a lot of the turmoil that came about in the Roman Empire is because a lot of the, the politicians of the day said, well, hey, wait a second, we got to take better care of these vets or these vets are going to get rowdy. And so sure enough, you know, a lot of the great guys like, you know, Caesar, Caesar was very much a vets guy. You know, he the whole 40 acres and a mule, you know, Caesar was was very much a 40 acres and a mule guy. He wanted to make sure the vets were all taken care of. He got assassinated because a lot of his stuff was unpopular uh, with with the corrupt politicians of the day. And guess what? History repeats itself. You know, we can't seem to get clear bills, clear funding, clear anything for vets, you know, and it's just at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. We're the ones that suffer. We're the ones that are bleeding out, dying off and on our walkers in the waiting room. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, that's, that's a very true statement. You know, I'm just glad I'm not sitting back in the 80s and early 90s because I saw the VA back then. It was really bad. There's a, it's improved, but it needs a lot more improvement. And, and I, I wish every candidate would go to Iowa or come down to Houston, see how it's ran, and then go to each and every VA hospital and VA clinic and find out, talk to the vets. That's what they don't do. That's the biggest problem. They don't come on here talk like you're doing and talk to the veterans and say, hey, this is what's going on. That's what needs to be changed. Absolutely. Well, and then, you know, my favorite thing is customer feedback surveys that the VA always sends out. I can't tell you how many of those I've done, um, you know, because to be honest, you know, I've never had to use the VA, uh, but I've taken friends to the VA, I've, you know. And so I help them fill out these surveys. And it's like, I know the survey is going nowhere. It's going into an inbox that's not going to get checked because they just fired that guy to give the VA administrator a pay raise. So, you know, the, the inbox is going nowhere, you know, and so same thing. You, you can send out all the surveys you want, but there's nobody there to review them with anybody, you know. And then my favorite one is, would you like someone from the Veterans Administration to give you a call back? You, you click that box and good luck, <laughs> you know. Yeah. When will I expect my call in 20 years? You know, so, yeah. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on to this program. I'm glad you're sharing things. Is there anything that you would like to tell the veterans or anything you would like some more information that you want to put out there about what you want to do? Sure. I mean, you know, one of the things that I would say to you and your listeners um, is, you know, we have an uphill battle. The two-party system is heavily entrenched in this country, and the American people have been paying the price for it for decades, veterans even more so. Um, 
if I could say anything, it's it's a words of encouragement. There's light on the horizon. The Calvary is coming. Uh, listen for the bugle because we're coming. Uh, and we need more and more of us elected to make this happen. Um, so even if you're not in Colorado, if you're not in the Colorado 5th, look up third-party candidates in your state, in your county, in your district. Um, you don't always have to vote for Republicans or Democrats. Uh, and really listen to what the candidates are saying. If the candidate sounds scripted and rehearsed, chances are they are. Uh, and, you know, they rehearse that 20 seconds before coming to give that speech or, or hopping on the phone with you. Um, and one of the things that I like about independence is you can literally ask me anything and I'm going to give you a straight answer as to what I think about that situation. There's a lot of independent candidates that are just like me um, that are not scripted. We're not going to be polished. We didn't do a poll to find out what would pull really well. And then that's what we say, you know, or, hey, wear a blue shirt because that pulled really well. Uh, I just look good in blue. It slims me down a little bit. Um, so, you know, uh, we're honest to God people and we truly do want to make a difference. So I encourage you to reach out, pay attention in your local elections, county elections, state elections, and start researching some third party candidates. Awesome. Awesome. And if they want to get in touch with you, ask you questions, go ahead and say, say your email and your webpage and your Facebook page. Yeah, so uh, our web address is alexjonesforcongress.com. Uh, and if you go on there and you, you click the link contact, it comes straight to me, it comes straight uh, to my friend Katie, who's helping me out. Um, she, you know, uh, her spouse was a veteran as well. Um, and so we're trying to, to try to make a difference as much as we can. Um, so a lot of the, our information can be gotten from our website. Uh, there's also links to our Facebook page on the website. So you can go right to alexjonesforcongress.com. Click on the link. It'll take you right to our Facebook page. Subscribe. We, we post some fun stuff, but we also post some serious stuff um, because, you know, all work and no play makes you a dull boy. So I want to make sure that, you know, we have a little bit of fun there, too. Um, but, yeah, all, everything's on our website, alexjonesforcongress.com. And it's A-L-A-X, not A-L-A-X. If you go A-L-E-X, you're going to get Alex Jones from InfoWars. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had his money, but yeah. Right. But I want to thank you so much for coming on to this program. And I'm really, really grateful that you got in contact with me and wanted to be on here. Yeah, and I'm very grateful that you allowed me this time to share with you and your listeners. So it's been a, a tremendous pleasure getting to talk about uh, our brothers and sisters in arms. So, And when you get into Congress, we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, expect a call because you're going to be at the VA. All right, man. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you have a great night. Thanks, Kevin. You too. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Y'all, please go to my website at goal4sideeffects.wordpress.com or email me at kevinsimon at goal4sideeffects.com and please help support this podcast and the veterans